Hey guys, today Jackie and I are going to be talking about healthy sexuality. And although this episode is going to be mostly towards women, I think this is also a conversation that's important for men to listen to as well. Today we're going to be talking about puberty, sex drive, enjoyment, purity, virginity, attraction, all of that tea. So get ready to tune in and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Megan. And I'm Jackie. We are going to be talking about sexuality and how to have healthy sexuality as a woman today. So, Jackie, sexuality, what do you think about it? I think for women, at least, there's a huge misconception surrounding sexuality and our sex drive, especially in Christian cultures. And America was raised with, you know, the Puritan religion, kind of. So I think women don't understand their sex drive. They feel guilty and ashamed for having a sex drive. It's very much perpetuated to us that only men can think about sex, want to have sex, Women can only want sex if they're in a relationship and feel emotional, which in some ways is, I get what people are saying, but hey, women have hormones too. And it's different than men. Our sex drive, I think, is different than than men's, but we do. And we do think about sex. And it's difficult to know as a Christian woman, if you're singled or, you know, not married yet, how to have a healthy sex drive. And then also that brings complications into your marriage Mm -hmm. when you become sexually active. For sure. And I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this was because obviously both Jackie and I, you know, we're devoted Christians and we adhere to the Christian ethic of saving sex for marriage and that sex is a sacrament within marriage. And so we do believe that we hold to that. We preach that. But I think in an effort to fight culture, which is very much not that value, a lot of times Christian groups have kind of swung a bit too far and it's harmed women's views of sex and who they are as sexual beings. So yeah, that's what we kind of wanted to talk about today. So we're going to start out at the very beginning, puberty. I'm sure you all remember it. It was amazing. It was not terrible at all. You felt great about your body. I have just never been more alive, (laughs) self-confident. I wish I could go back and go through it again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, puberty sucks and it's awful. And Mm. um, I I truly think teenagers have it probably the worst. And I would not want to go back and be a teenager again. (laughs) Heck no. Yeah. So a while back, I was reading this book and it was really interesting. It was talking about coming of age rituals which if you've grown up in america your whole life you probably are like what's that um so i was studying it and most ancient cultures i think specifically the incas had coming of age rituals and what this looked like at least for women specifically this occurred when she would first have her period and it was kind of a party of sorts she would be celebrated, you know, they would be celebrating that she was entering womanhood. So there's a very clear transition of you are a girl and now you're a woman. And this event that is a little bit traumatizing, getting your first period, 
it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You're entering a new stage, a new season of life. And then on the flip side, when a woman enters menopause, a similar occurrence would take place celebrating the exit from her childbearing years and into her years of wisdom. So it wasn't the shame of getting older, which a lot of times I feel like our culture has, sort of this ageism. Instead, it was, it's so beautiful that you went through that season of life. Now that season is over and you're entering the door to the next season, which is your years of wisdom. Now you can mentor and teach the women who are in their childbearing years. And so there's just very clear and positive reinforcements of each season of a woman's life. And unfortunately, I feel like maybe this isn't for everyone, but I feel like a lot of times now girls feel a sense of disgust at best, (laughs) awkwardness surrounding getting their first period, becoming a woman. And women on the other side often feel a sense of loss, grief, or fear entering menopause. And I just feel that these two events are never or if ever rarely viewed positively. Yeah. And I think entering puberty has a sense of embarrassment, secrecy, shame. I know when I first started my period, I was so embarrassed to tell my mom. I don't know what it was. I just felt this overwhelming shame. And when she found out I was embarrassed, I was like, oh no. And it just doesn't make any sense. And you know, Megan pointed out to me that until recently, feminine hygiene product commercials wouldn't even use red colored liquid. They would use blue mm-hmm. when that's not what we see when we have our period is blue <laughs> liquid. You, I've never had blue blood. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's with a lot of shame surrounding our periods and disgust. And I think that also um, filters into our sex drive yeah Um, because surrounding that when we start our periods and when our hormones start fluctuating and that's when you you know as a woman might start to feel like you have a sex drive and the emphasis like I said before is placed on men wanting sex and only men enjoy sex and women who have a higher sex drive feel embarrassed or ashamed they feel abnormal for struggling with managing sexual desire um if they struggle with masturbation, pornography, or fantasizing, which the number for that is huge. And it's not rare for women to also struggle with those things. Yeah, I was looking up, um, you know, I've had multiple conversations with women. And I think why I wanted to start this out by talking about puberty and, you know, menstruation and menopause is that while we might not think it's connected to our views of sex, it it really does affect, you know, if we view our sexual organs and the way that our, our reproductive system functions as disgusting or something that should be secret or shameful, it's going to lead into how we view ourselves, like Jackie said, particularly with our sex drive, because that's connected. And if there's a lot of shame on our bodies, we're going to feel shame about how our bodies work. And I looked up, just because I was really wondering, some statistics when it comes to women and pornography. And these are from both Christian and extremely non-Christian sources because I just wanted to make sure it was a balanced view. So these are just some statistics to show that a lot of women do struggle with this. 
in 2019, more women than ever are watching porn, and the term lesbian is by far the most searched category for women. Across the globe, 32% of Pornhub visitors were women in 2019, which was an increase of 3% from 2018. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they never have seen porn, while 87% of Christian women have watched porn. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. In 2017, the phrase porn for women was one of the most searched fetishes online. And Pornhub says its audience is 75% men and 25% women. And I think that's important to bring up because I know myself and a lot of people have this misconception that it's more like 90-10 or 80-20, right? And to hear that it's 75 to 25 is, I think, surprising, uh, but it shouldn't be because women are sexual beings as well. Yeah, and there's definitely been an encouragement, I think, to lash against the repression of women and their sexuality, of women really embracing their sexuality and embracing masturbation and watching porn. And I was watching a video by a very popular YouTuber, and it was sponsored by a fully run porn company um, that was run entirely by women. Uh. And the porn was made for women and for what they would enjoy and what would turn them on because a lot of porn is uh, geared toward what uh, makes a man feel aroused not for women so it's becoming seen as the healthy thing to watch porn and to embrace your sexuality in that way and I think we've just gone way too far to the other side now Mm -hmm. because obviously as Christians we don't think those things are healthy Um, So there has to be a middle ground of not suppressing and repressing your sexuality, but then using it properly and in the way that God um, wants us to use it because our sexuality and our sex drive is a gift from God. Yeah. And we don't say all this to normalize women um, watching porn because, yeah, like Jackie said, neither of us would condone it. (laughs) But I do think that if you're a woman who is struggling with that temptation it can feel really isolating because it's something that men can talk about with each other or at men's groups at church, like all the time. It's in fact, I've heard from men that they're kind of tired of like people only bringing that up. Like, okay, tell me about your porn struggle. Whereas with women, I I didn't really experience that. And it can create this idea that you're an outsider that there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with you that like you're a freak of nature that cannot be controlled and Mm -hmm. I think the reason we should talk about it is so that there is a community and that there is less isolation because that problem can't be taken care of by yourself you need other people and you need to know that you're not alone so I think it's important to acknowledge and understand Um, while also knowing that it's harmful and not something that should be pursued. Yeah, and in Christian circles, we 
definitely have a problem of a purity culture and being pure is seen as never thinking about sex until you're married as if there's some magical switch that turns on at the wedding night and then oh you want to have sex with your husband or there's the misconception (laughs) that only men are going to enjoy sex and it's what the wife just has to put up with and that women you know are not pure if they enjoy sex that's a very twisted view that has been popular in the christian circle and that men have perpetuated it's yeah really bad and um or you know there's the idea that women will not enjoy sex they won't have an orgasm it'll just be painful it'll only be good for him yeah and this was something jackie and i just in our own conversations have talked about the fact that i grew up in purity culture um so whenever i had women do like talks with the girls or whatever it was all just geared towards like well don't flirt with boys and then it was almost like in a way to discourage us they would just go on and on about how like you're not even gonna like sex like don't pursue that you're not even gonna like it it's awful like i can tell you from experience it's not good and like i would just sit there like oh okay well this thing that i think about all the time because i'm a hormonal teenager like you're giving me conflicting messages and it's just confusing and it's not helpful. And it, and it brought a ton of shame on me because I'm like, OK, obviously that's how I'm supposed to be thinking and acting. But that's not my experience. So what's wrong with me? And so I think there needs to be more honesty, right, in these conversations of, you know, it's it's going to bring a lot of struggle, I think, and a lot of women in their marriage even if they've just been so trained to think of sex as this disgusting hurtful negative thing and then when they are in the proper context like I don't know how you mentally or emotionally can just like turn that on and be like oh just kidding now I want to have sex with my husband and it's going to be great and we're going to feel this intimacy and I don't know how you can go through that without some shame or guilt or somehow feeling like it's still a sin. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I, I remember reading this story that a lot of secular people would point to and be like, this is why it's bad to say that sex before marriage is a sin because it makes especially women um, scared of sex, disgusted by sex, and then they can't even enjoy sex mm-hmm. when they get married because this woman said, like, I was raised in such a culture of being afraid of sex and not wanting to sin that when I finally could have sex with my husband, it was terrible and it was traumatizing for me and I felt dirty and bad because I lost my virginity. And that leads into how this concept of virginity can be very toxic in Christian communities. Yes. Uh, I I heard once um, a girl, it was actually in a preaching class at my school, but she was talking about how we've put virginity up on the mountain. And what she was referring to was in um, in the Old Testament, There's they were high places and that's where they had altars. That's where people would go to worship. And she was like, we've put virginity up on the high places. And I think that's such a good point, Jackie. You know, it's it's not that virginity isn't a good thing, but we've idolized it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it becomes harmful, especially to women who have experienced sexual assault. Yeah. Or someone violating them in a way that took mm-hmm. their virginity um, 
that's not something that they should feel guilty about or feel that they're somehow lesser or have had something taken from them that they can no longer get back. And I just find it interesting that virginity is kind of the only sin or premarital sex is really the only sin where we don't consider the slate wiped completely clean after there's been repentance and forgiveness. There's kind of this, and it's, I think it's rooted in sexism, you know, because for women, our bodies, there's a physical change that doesn't go back. And we like translate that into our soul then, that there's like this physical change that's taking place. You're no longer a virgin and you can never get that back. Yeah, you're forgiven. And like every time you like sins some other way, we talk about how, you know, God like makes your sins as white as snow. You know, he completely wipes the slate clean. And now when he looks at you, he only sees Jesus. Oh, unless you've lost your virginity. Because that you can't ever get back. You're forever known the rest of your life as not being a virgin. That's the moment you lost your virginity. And Mm -hmm. and I just think that's, it's interesting to me that we treat that differently. I think it says something pretty big. Yeah. Of course, there are consequences for all sin, but... God is our healer. And if you've fallen in chastity, if you had sex before you were married, it does not mean you cannot have a beautiful marriage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you are stained because God is good and he is abounding in mercy. Just like any other sin, when you, you know, if you go to him and repent, especially in the Catholic view and confession, your soul is wiped clean. And I know it's a very similar, obviously, in in Protestant, you know, we all believe that God has a lot of mercy Mm -hmm. and is forgiving. And this, you know, sin of sins and sexuality are not unforgivable and they don't ruin you or stain you as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many women that have done that. And then they're just like, well, I did it once. Who cares? Screw it. I'll just keep having sex because I've been stained. I'm gross. I'm not worthy. God can't forgive me. God doesn't love me. No man is ever going to want me. Or if God can forgive me, well, no, I'm not good enough to be married now. Mm -hmm. And that is just so disgusting that is not true and that the fact that that thought is perpetuated at all is totally against god's mercy yeah and i'm really happy that i was raised in an environment that actually had a very healthy view of sexuality i was raised in an environment um where we learned about theology of the body Mm -hmm. by jp2 john paul ii Mm -hmm. and he talks about just how beautiful and good sex is, especially in marriage and, you know, how it brings about life and how it unites the spouses and how it's, um, it's what consummates, like what really makes the sacrament of marriage so beautiful. Like that is you living out your covenant of marriage is coming, coming together and becoming one. Mm -hmm. So I just, I learned at least in that way, I definitely could felt a lot of shame for my own sex drive and struggling with, chastity and such but at least in that way I was raised in seeing sex as a good and beautiful thing only for marriage but as a gift and that our sexualities and sex drives are a gift yeah I think (laughs) it's kind of like a a meme that in purity culture there's always like these tactics like they'll grab like a rose right and they'll be like hey guys look at this beautiful flower everybody wants this flower right well how about now and then they start ripping the petals off or like stomping on it and they're like this is you when you have premarital sex and then they hold up like this disgusting flower and they're like well now what like does anybody want the flower now and i just always want to like reach out to those girls and be like jesus wants the flower 
Like, you are not tainted or broken beyond repair just because you have fallen in this way. Like, God is abounding in mercy and grace, and he is our healer, and he repairs us and restores us and renews us. And I I don't think the people doing those whatever had malice in their hearts, but I don't think they realize, like, just how how anti-gospel that is to act like there is a sin yeah like you were saying that's unforgivable (laughs) or that for Mm. some like somehow makes us so unwanted and unlovable that and we just stay that way forever that's our life now like that's not true at all no uh this very well-known catholic speaker jason everett who goes around talking about theology of the body and because he's known for going around and giving chastity talks. And this is what I was raised listening to. <laughs> and he was talking about how he talked to this girl who had had sex. And she said to him, I feel like that stuff on the side of the road, you know, after it snowed and it starts to melt and the cars just run over it over and over again. And it's that mushy, Ooh. gross, dirty snow on the road. That's what I feel like. And that's what she had been made to feel like. And he was talking about just how hurt and damaged she was. And he he said to her, you know, let's say like you have a $20 bill and it gets trampled on. It's like it's in that mushy snow, you know, it's all soggy and gross or, you know, whatever. Or I don't even even gets like cut in half. If you tape it back together or it's still worth $20. And I also want to, yes, the value of it does not change. And I want to point out, it's not only sexual sin that makes us mushy and gross or like can like stain our soul in some Mm -hmm. way. Any sin can. So that's like, yeah, sinning in a way does make you feel shame or feel gross in some way like but that's all sin it's not just sexual sin that does harm us but the thing is it does not change our worth and we go to god and he just you know he wipes the slate clean because he loves us so much he doesn't see our sin he sees us and you know as we've been saying for some reason sexual sin is like oh well you're gonna be that mushy snow forever and that's just not true and i think it's mostly aimed at women yeah and i i remember in school I was taking systematic theology too, um, and my professor, we were going over the atonement, and I remember just like sobbing in class mm. because as he was talking about the atonement, he was just talking about how Jesus, Jesus's sacrifice has atoned for every single area of our life, and then he went through and he just started naming areas. He was like, Jesus's atonement has like restored your genitals and I just remember that like just made me like shudder because I was like whoa (laughs) like if you are someone who has you know messed up in that area there is just this belief you have that you've done something beyond repair and to just picture Jesus completely healing and cleaning cleansing your genitals this area that has brought you shame was just so impactful um yeah I just remember I was like sobbing in class like (laughs) like that's normal (laughs) you know it was a good convicting message right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I think also we wanted to touch on attraction in some circles women are taught to fear men 
to the point of only feeling comfortable or safe around other women. And for some, this develops romantically as well. Women feel emotionally fulfilled with other women, and this can get twisted into sexual feelings. Yeah, not always, but I think that, you know, if if you've grown up in a culture where you just had it so pounded into your brain that men are predators or that you have to do all of this to hide yourself from men and protect yourself from men, that it's going to feel more fulfilling or safer to be with other women. And not that that's bad. Like we, sh- we should feel connected with women. I think that's beautiful. I think it's amazing that, you know, as women, we can kind of understand how other women just function and think. But that, just like anything, the devil can take that and twist it. And I've talked to women who that's been their experience. They only felt safe and comfortable around other women. And they just felt this deep love for these women because they were there for them. And that makes complete sense. And then that just gets twisted. And now she's struggling with something that she never even thought she was going to struggle with. And I think, too... You know, this doesn't happen to everybody, but there can kind of be this misconception that any friendliness with men is automatically romantic. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. they just don't know how to have healthy platonic friendships, relationships with men. You know, if if women are only taught about sexual relationships with men as they grow and mature, it's just natural that it's going to be really difficult to manage healthy non-sexual relationships and so either they will just avoid relationships with men which I think is sad because I have male friends and I think it's just completely different than having female friends you yeah you lose a lot if you don't have male friends they bring a lot into your life that is beautiful or they have unhealthy friendships where they can't not have feelings for their male friends Mm -hmm. and yeah, Jackie, I, I think we both either talked to women or even experienced it ourselves where it's just difficult to understand those boundaries within friendships when it comes to people of the opposite sex. Yeah, you obviously have to have more boundaries with a male friend, you know, if you are sexually attracted to men than with your female friends. But you still, we, you know, we need to have those good, healthy friendships with men. Mm-hmm. And if we're taught that men are just predators or we should only be involved with them romantically, which a lot of times is kind of what is told to us in Christian communities, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you're not going to be able to build those healthy, with the proper boundaries, friendships with men. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up... Um, I think we just kind of wanted to talk about managing your sex drive because I feel like this is something we don't often talk about just practically you know we'll talk about this theoretically all the time like oh yeah you know you know you should you should manage your sex drive and it's like well how the heck do I do that um Jackie and I are in very different stages of life in this area but we both felt it was just really important to just really bring this down down to earth practical what can you do on a day-to-day basis to just manage that desire? And I wanted to start by just saying, why is it important or valuable that we should learn to manage our sex drive? You know, it, it seems pretty obvious to do this while we're single, but 
as someone who's married, it's, it's really extremely valuable to master that for marriage as well. Because the freedom in marriage <laughs> does not promise that your husband will meet your every need, nor should he. And so this area of self-control is not something that you just use when you're single. This is for any stage of your life. And so it is valuable for anybody, for everyone, no matter where you're at, whether you're preparing for marriage or whether that's not in your future at all. This is something that we need to work through. Yeah. So if you are in a relationship, but unmarried, and Megan could maybe speak to this more because she has been in a long-term relationship before. Um, It's really good to focus on other forms of intimacy. And, you know, it is normal and good to desire your partner sexually, especially if you love them. Guess what? You are going to want to have sex with them and be close to them. That's normal. That's a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because the desire for physical intimacy is so strong, it can overpower other forms of intimacy. So if you give in, you will only develop a stronger physical you know intimacy but not emotionally and entering into marriage which i know megan can really speak to if that's the case you will struggle with weak emotional intimacy that should have been developed beforehand and feel distant from them and also i know that like being too physical with a guy can also really blind you and make you more attached to them than you need to be and then you can't see if there are red flags or like I said, you're not developing in other areas of your relationship that you need to. Especially for women, because just the way God made us is that being physically intimate bonds us to that person. And so, yeah, Jackie, that's such a great point to bring up that, you know, if you're being bonded to someone too early, that can be really hard if that relationship ends. Yeah, <laughs> because you're connected to them and you're attached to them and, and that's normal. That's like what should have happened because that's the way your body is made. But it was it was done in the wrong time. And I think of the, it's like a somewhat overused passage in Song of Solomon that says, do not awaken love before it's time. Mm. And I remember when I was engaged to John, we were really struggling in this area. And I think if it, anyone out there has ever been engaged, there's kind of just this like mind shift that happens to, from, at least for me, from when you're dating to engage, where you're like, oh, I'm going to marry this person. And then suddenly it's like, why aren't we already married? Like now yeah. that I know I'm going to be with you forever, it's so much harder to have those boundaries because it's like, well, this you're my person. Like, and I know this, even though you don't, because you're just engaged. You're not married. <laughs> and we, at one point, we were having dinner with a married couple and they just gave us this fantastic advice. They were like, Right now is the time that God wants you to be developing emotional intimacy with each other. And they were like, if you are just so focused on being physically intimate, because that's normal, you want to feel close to that person, you want to grow in that area. They were like, if you are just focusing on that and you're not spending time just getting dinner and talking and connecting emotionally for hours, that's not going to grow and develop. And then you're going to go into marriage and you're already going to kind of have this physical intimacy down but you're not going to be emotionally connected to each other. And it's so beautiful to go into marriage and to experience physical intimacy with the foundation of emotional intimacy. So I found that just to be so helpful for me when I was just going through just the strong desires that go into being engaged. 
to know that it wasn't in vain. I was doing this for a purpose and this purpose was making my relationship with John stronger and it was going to benefit our marriage. And that was really helpful for me. Yeah. And if you are a woman that struggles with sexual sin, so masturbation, pornography, which you can struggle with in marriage when you're in a relationship or when you're just totally single, but it is, I think, even more of a struggle when you're single or when you're just in a relationship because there's no way to like express that sexual desire right. um, or to satiate that sexual desire that you could be feeling. So I, I really think it's good to find a trusted person to be an accountability partner, mm-hmm. someone that you can talk to and really get rid of the shame surrounding it that you are struggling with this. And this person should be trustworthy, dependable, and wise. Find someone who will challenge you, but also help you when you fall without shaming you. Because like you said, you don't want to repress your sexuality or feel ashamed of it because it's okay to have those desires. Mm -hmm. God made us sexual beings, but it's good. Yeah, so it's good to talk about it, but we do want to save them for the proper time. And yeah, don't isolate. Community is the best solution. Mm -hmm. And it's when we pull away and are alone that we often struggle the most, especially as women, with sexual sin. Because we are trying to also um, fill an emotional hole that we feel like we have, this loneliness. Um, And some advice also is to understand your own limits. Some women know they can't live alone because they would be tempted by pornography if they don't have a roommate. Um, or also just know the days of the week that you are tempted to fall in chastity. Make sure you aren't alone. Make sure you have plans. Do something productive. Just try to recognize the patterns that you have of where you fall and do what you can to not be alone in your room so that you don't fall into masturbation or watching pornography. And it's okay if you can't watch sex scenes and movies or even like someone intensely making out because you just can't tolerate that so it's good to know your limits even with what you expose yourself to and maybe another woman can see those things and it's not a temptation for her but for you it is and that's okay we don't want to do things that will you know tempt us to fall in this way and that's really difficult because TV is so sexualized these days. And I know I'll be watching a show on Netflix and it's just a hardcore sex scene that is basically just porn (laughs) comes on. And I'm like, what? Uh, I did not expect this. So now I'm super careful. I will ask my friends. I'll be like, is the, are there hardcore sex scenes in this? Are, yeah, if there are, I will not watch the show. And that kind of sucks because it could be a really good show, but I don't want to have temptations to fall in that way. So Mm -hmm. I don't. And Also, as women, we have a cycle and our sex drive often fluctuates with our cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's another way of just noticing the patterns and when you fall of knowing what part of your cycle that you may be most tempted to fall in chastity. And yeah, for a lot of women, that's when they're ovulating, because guess what? Your baby, your your baby, (laughs) your body, your baby maker. (laughs) Yeah, your baby maker wants to make a baby. Your body is ovulating, you're fertile, and it's just biology that your body wants to reproduce. So it's, you're going to have a higher sex drive a lot of those times. So it's just noticing when, and then actively, um, doing things that will prevent that being proactive instead of reactive. And yeah, Megan, I don't know if you have any other advice. I also think that we just, um, 
we kind of over-sexualize intimacy. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word intimacy, I kind of cringe a little because I just immediately imagine like kissing someone. Like if someone is like, mm-hmm. oh, I have such an intimate relationship with them. You're like, ooh, what's your problem? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we, we just like really associate intimacy with being sexual. And so if you are someone who is single, it can really feel like you don't have any intimacy in your life when you don't have someone that you're being sexually intimate with and I just want to encourage you that that's not true there are so many forms of intimacy that we can have you know we don't have to have sex to be fulfilled or to be fully human and I think that's kind of something our society has ingrained in us you know we see that in just our our media that like it's you don't really become an adult until you've had sex or like Mm -hmm. then you're fully developed then you've really experienced the world and that's not true there are so many beautiful forms of intimacy that god gives us with friendships with mentors with you know family members with just people in our community that you can be fulfilled and feel whole you don't have to have a romantic partner. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be married and having sex in order to be fulfilled. You know, there are people who are called to singleness and they are not less human (laughs) or not being fulfilled. You know, God, God knows us. He made us. And so he knows how we are. And, and he, he would not create us to just be empty our entire life. And so I just want to encourage you in that way. If you are struggling, it can just feel really discouraging because our culture has just really taught us that that's the only way to feel connected to someone. You know, that's Mm -hmm. why we see people having one night stands (laughs) and, you know, having friends with benefits. It's just kind of normalized. And, Mm -hmm. and I think we're, we're missing out on, on true intimacy in other forms of relationships when we just over-sexualize that. Yeah, I actually had a guy tell me once that I was missing out because I wasn't open to having sex in a relationship. And I was like, all right, buddy, well, this isn't going to work out. Um, But that's, yeah, definitely not true. We think that our fulfillment is in God and sex. It Sex is points to heaven. Like that Mm -hmm. sounds really weird, I know. But sex is, it's a part of the sacrament of marriage and it's beautiful. And so having a sex drive is a good thing. And that's why if we're struggling in this way, because we're in a fallen world, so obviously sometimes our sex drive, you know, we will struggle with it. Or it's disordered. It's disordered. Bring those struggles that you have to God and bring it into the light and do not be ashamed. You don't need to repress it and be like, that is gross. That makes me dirty or bad. No, bring it to God. Mm -hmm. And if you're Catholic, bring um, bring it to confession. And if you're not Catholic... You know, just bring it to God in prayer and be like, God, I'm sorry. Like, I give this to you, this that I've fallen in this way and then I'm struggling. But I know it doesn't make me dirty or bad, like I said, because God is very forgiving. And will no matter how many times we fall, he will give us his grace again. So, yeah, do not fall into shame, which can be really difficult to get out of that and retrain our brains to not associate that with so much shame. You know, of course, we should have sincere repentance, but God understands and he wants us to bring those struggles into the light and to him. And I think it's important to remember, too, that Jesus was a single guy. Mm-hmm. And if you think that there weren't women throwing themselves at him at some point or that that temptation so wasn't weird there, to think about, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was a, he was a human. He was fully human. And the mm-hmm. Bible says that he 
He felt every temptation that we feel. Yeah. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Mm-hmm. So we have a high priest who can sympathize with our every weakness. Yes. Even our sexual weaknesses. And so if you feel like that God doesn't understand you, uh, he does. One, he created you, so he knows you even better than you know yourself. But also Jesus experienced everything you're experiencing. And I know that that was something that just really helped me, was to be able to know that I could go to Jesus and be like, you know what? I don't even have to tell you because you know exactly what I'm feeling right now and Mm -hmm. what I'm struggling. And that Mm -hmm. just that connection, just that knowing that like he gets it is so helpful because that's where we really find grace and we you know obviously the holy spirit convicts us that's important you know we repentance is needed but grace is also there and extended to us god understands jesus gets it and he loves you yeah well i think this was a really great conversation Megan, I think sex is something a lot of people are uncomfortable with and don't want to talk about, especially as women when it comes to sex drive and our sexual, dealing with sexual sin. But it's definitely something that we need to bring into the light. We need to dispel any shame around this. And yeah, it's just really important to talk about it. So let's talk about it. 